welcome to Don't Look Under the Bed. We appreciate your support of the show, and we hope that you will subscribe, share, and leave a review. This week, Nikki and I chat with Michelle Olivier, Principal Consultant at O&H Consulting Firm. They provide career guidance, resume writing, and interview preparation. Michelle's tagline is, I won't let you leave here with garbage. I promise. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Don't Look Under the Bed. Today, we are delighted to welcome our guest, Michelle Olivier, a recruiter unlike any other that I've ever met. (laughs) Michelle is opinionated, sarcastic, but passionate about helping her clients market themselves. One of Michelle's truth bombs states that resumes and interviews don't identify the best talent, but do reinforce institutional racism, classism, misogyny, and more. Michelle, welcome to Don't Look Under the Bed. I have one question for you. Well, the first question is, why are you like this? (laughs) Oh, you're gonna have to narrow that one down. So I was raised. There's levels. <laughs> right. I was raised. Uh, I grew up in Texas, born in Houston, raised in Southeast Texas. My dad was white. His family is a deep Southeast Texas, good old boy, white family. And you know exactly what that means, ladies. I don't need to say a lot more there. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a hippie. And his task to all of his children was it was our job to change the world. Um, I refused to become uh, an attorney or a Supreme Court justice, much to his chagrin. He literally went to his grave hoping that I was going to change my mind. Uh, but for me, this is this is a, a social justice issue. Okay. And it's a big one. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that, but it's also just damn bad business. Yeah. So not only are interviews and racist uh, and resumes fundamentally racist and they were created to be racist. They still do a good job of it, but they don't do a good job at predicting people's success in, a, in their job. We know that. There is less than a 10% correlation between performance on an interview um, and quality of resume content and how good somebody winds up doing their job. There is nowhere else in business that you would take that and have that be like, oh, well, let's you know build our recruitment house on that. You wouldn't. You would demand something better. And we have a ton of tools that are better and for reasons that I do not understand. They just keep doubling down on the same ones. Mm-hmm. So that's so, why I'm there at that. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of it, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a nice way to answer that, Robin. <laughs> well, talk about, I know you are the recruitment disruptor. Mm-hmm. Talk about the other tools that are available to people, you know, to use. So there's a whole bunch of them. Um, And what I do is I work with companies to help them design better recruitment systems. So they come in and they say, hey, Michelle, we, we hear you. Resumes are bad. What can we do instead? And then I help them figure that out for them as an organization. Okay. What are the tools that work better? Tools that, there's a bunch of online tools that you can use that 
goes straight in with skills assessments um, that are all done with AI. So there's no opportunity for sex or racial or whatever bias from an individual. Okay. Um, I design um, custom, what we call assessment centers, but in this country that people get a picture of like taking a test and that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. They're interactive opportunities for you to demonstrate skills. Okay. Wow. Wow. Um, so there's lots of different options kind of along all of those different lines. And um, there are companies that make gamification, gamified uh, modules for different skills. So let's say, uh, Nikki, you wanted to prove that you actually know how to sell stuff after what, 30 years of selling. If somebody was like, I don't think I believe you, you'd be like, great. Let me show you. And they have, you can actually log in and they have games that you play that are interactive games that then measure your ability for sales. So it doesn't suck for you as a, as a candidate and it gives actual data to the organization and their correlation, those types of the couple of companies that I know of that do that, their correlation between how people um, behave, it, the data that they get there and how they actually perform in the role is like an 80% match. Mm, wow. Wow. Right. So is that different than the predictive index or the PDP model? Okay. Yeah. Are those the old antiquated systems? Yeah. Okay. All right. Where you go in, you're like, uh, tell us how people feel about you. What would yeah. they say All about you? Are you dependable? Are you, All of that is are you friendly? Right. <laughs> it's like, I'm amazing. Can't you see it? <laughs> Anytime you're asking somebody those kinds of questions, what the hell kind of moron is going to come in and be like, well, they would all probably say that I'm a mouthy bitch. And right, uh, right, you know, right, I right. I'm like, nobody's going to say that. Everybody yeah. knows like the right things to say. And what mm -hmm. I guess what pisses me off the most about the whole thing so my company, we work with companies to help do that, but we also work with individuals to help them play the game, right? So we do resume writing, we do interview prep and that sort of thing. And for me, that's the part, like that's just the fundamentally classist part, right? Mm -hmm. If you can afford my services, people that I write resumes for have 300% more interviews than people I don't. Wow. Okay. That's impressive. People that I prepare for interview mm -hmm. have an 85% success rate in their interviews. Wow. What that tells me is that it's not about the person. It's about having somebody show you how to play the game and being able to afford expert services mm -hmm. like mine. Yeah. And that is messed up. It That shouldn't be how people get jobs. Mm -hmm. It should right. be you know, it should be based on who's the best person for the job and who's going to do a good one. Um, wow. But it's not. That's really something. I mean, when you when you put it like that, that's like, wow. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, how many people do, you know, can if you're looking for a job, obviously there's an issue. So you may not have disposable, you know, kind of income to say, Hey, you know, let me hire this top dog resume writer and, you know, I'm going to walk in here and get this job. You know, yep. mo most people are just sitting at home thinking, oh, you know, I hope this is right. 
-hmm. And the ones that have it, Nikki, are often the ones that are still in a job. Mm -hmm. Exactly. People who have that luxury, Mm -hmm. people who have that privilege of being the last one to lose their jobs that are the most comfortable there, et cetera. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is one of the things my partners and I sort of emotionally struggle with the most. That's why we work with groups like Project Safe Hospitality, Mm -hmm. where we give our services away um, to people in need because we have to feed our kids. But at the same time, we know that this is an unjust and messed up system. Mm -hmm. And we want to do better for people where we can. We try to keep our prices um, on the lower end of the market. I'll tell you straight up, if you um, if you ever have somebody who wants to write your resume for less than a hundred bucks, don't do it. Don't do it. If you just want to give away a hundred bucks to somebody, go find somebody on the street that needs it. But there is no resume writer that can write, especially for you ladies, your the level of resume that you need, mm-hmm. the amount of time it would take to craft that in a way that would be worth your while. Yeah. You can't do that for a hundred bucks. Wow. And so wow. that's one of the things that pisses me off is that people are like, you talk all this game about, you know, you want to be there to help people, but then you want to charge X for your services. I'm like, friend, you have no idea how much time we're spending. Like, um, so we did Melissa's resume um, from Project Safe Hospitality. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like you ladies. I think she actually has a little less experience than you guys do, but still like she's right up there, director level resume. Mm-hmm. my writer just my writer took about 10 to 12 hours crafting her resume and then yeah. there's my editor comes in and you know dots all the i's crosses the t's and then there's my time and expertise to come in and look at it as a recruiter and say nope yes nope yes so like when you put all of that together suddenly it makes sense why there's a big price tag mm-hmm. and it makes me really frustrated that people are in need and they get desperate and they're like, right, I'm going to cobble together a hundred bucks and go get somebody to write my resume. Right. And I know that what they're going to get back is not going to help them get a job. Wow. And wow. spent their last hundred bucks on something. And so then they come to me and they're like, I just paid somebody and it didn't work. Why should I pay you this much more? Well, because it didn't work. Right. There right. you go. So is that, <laughs> that, um, <laughs> revamping of the resume that you do, is that all in an effort to play the game as well? Get it through I the applicant, the applicant tracking system and, and all that stuff with, okay. Yep. So I hate the game and I love the players. The, at the end of the day, job seekers are not in a position to change the game. Yeah. You don't have the, you don't have the authority. You don't have the power the people that can change it are the companies on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I try to be here to support you guys as job seekers as much as possible. And then I work with my corporate clients and scream and shout at them about, you cannot, you cannot say you are committed to DEI and keep using a resume. Yeah. If you use resumes, you're lying to yourself or you're lying to everybody else about your DEI commitment bottom line. What is their response when you, with, with that pushback? 
I think that that's just a little too radical for what we're looking for right now. Can mm. you help us find, um, we just need your help in fine tuning what we've already got. Yeah. But we'll wow. But the good but, news is that you're in the room and you're at the table and you're shaking the table and absolutely. jumping oh. on it and screaming at them whenever possible. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, because the, the whole, um, what is it? A ATS, uh, applicant tracking system. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, because that, that's a big one and you see it everywhere. People talk about padding the resume with the words, you know, I've watched TikTok videos where they've talked about it. I've seen it on LinkedIn where they talk about it. And like for someone like myself, I may read a job description and go, okay, I'm all of these things yet, you know, and in some cases, in less than 24 hours of hit and send, here comes this letter. And yeah. so, you know, that tells me no one even looked at this, you know? So <laughs> on average, a recruiter looks at your resume for about 20 seconds. Right. So a human being may have looked at it for the whole 20 seconds that they were going to look at it. So there's a couple of different things that you said there. The padding thing, I want to talk about that. So what that means, so 90% of how recruiters work is searching for people in some kind of an online database. So that could be their applicant tracking system. So searching for people who have applied directly and is in that ATS. It could be looking for people on LinkedIn. It could be looking for people on Indeed, whatever. When we do that as recruiters, we type in what we call a Boolean string, which just means a string of phrases, just like if you were going to Google something. Mm -hmm. So if I'm looking for something, somebody with um, a bunch of sales and hospitality, I would type in sales, hotel. Um, and then I might type in if there are specific whatever else that my client was specifically looking for, I would type in those things as well. And then whatever database I'm working with goes and scans your resume mm -hmm. or those words. And then it ranks people based on the number of times that, that those words appear in your resume. Mm. So <laughs> if you have, and, and so if you have 30 years of experience with sales, but in, in a hotel or in hospitality, and it only appeared, the word sales only appears like three times because you thought that you were doing better writing by finding different ways to describe yourself. Actually, you've shot yourself in the foot because now you're going to come lower down on my listing than mm. 50 other people. And so I may just not get to get to yours. And Got so it. a lot of times as a recruiter, you'll do 80 people will come up in your list. You actually look at the top 20 matches and then you found all the people that you needed for yeah. right now. Right. And those people may not even get looked at. Or if they do, again, you're blazing through like 20 seconds is all the attention you're getting. So if the, in the very first, like, in the top third of your resume, if all of the reason I need to know that you're perfect for this job doesn't exist there, you can bet you're probably going to get rejected. Yeah. Ah. Everything you need Ooh. to have needs to be above. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, just, I mean, here, here, 
that's why it's just paying people to do it. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot of information. So when we, so then you're talking about like, um, you know, tailoring it for every different job, blah, blah, blah. I was, I was just going to have it in your ass, right? Like Ooh. that's not a reasonable thing. <laughs> <laughs> so what you do instead, what we do, we take three job ads for the types of, we have you send them to us, right? So if okay. you tell me, I'm going to go for, um, you know, corporate sales and hospitality. Great. Send me three ads. You only get one resume, one job, one resume. You want three different types of jobs you're applying for, then you need three different resumes. Mm -hmm. One job, one resume. Send me three ads for that job. And what we do is we take those keywords from those three jobs and we make sure that you have the instance count that you need of those. We try to go for your top three most saleable skills, thing that they're going to search for every time. We shoot for 10 instances per page of those. So if you have a four page resume and you're a sales professional, the word sales is going to appear about 40 times in your resume. And we literally, part of our process is we do a control F and just find, and so we'll type those in. So we go for about 10 instances per page for your top three skills. And then for everything else, we go for about five instances per page. For the wow. wow. I mean, okay. just- So you guys are really putting in the work. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that that's where all those hours are coming from is sure. doing that kind of stuff. But again, you have to know how to do it because the, the trick is you've got three audiences with your resume. You've got the ATS, which is just scanning for words. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got the recruiter who's not doing much more than that, if we're honest. And then you've got the hiring manager who's going to read every single word and care about every damn semicolon, et cetera, in your resume. So you have to have a resume that gets through all three of those to get you the interview. Wow. Wow. Okay. It's, so six I mean, months in, we've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> we've been totally doing it wrong. But in, and it, I mean, you know, you, you look at a, you look at a job description and you read it and you're like, oh, that's me. You know, I can do this. I can do that. You send off your little resume and even, and, and this is something, I don't know if other industries work like this, but at least with hospitality, most of us have never really had to hardcore look because it's always, I mean, my last probably four positions, someone called me mm -hmm. and, and, and it went something like, Hey, I like it over here. Come on over here and work with me. Mm -hmm. You know? So Absolutely. look at you've worked for like big enough companies that like if you work for the Marriott, mm -hmm. there's so many, it's so huge yeah. geographically. Right. And I think hospitality in particular, like just the geographic scale is so yeah. different from any other industry, right? You can right. hate everything about working for Marriott in Florida. And that's got nothing to do with the opportunity or something you would love about working for Marriott in New York. Mm-hmm. And that's right, before right. you get into the different divisions of Marriott, the different, like all of this, and I'm not trying to tell y'all your industry, you know better than I do, but my point is like hospitality is so unique from mm -hmm. that kind of a perspective Yes, that it definitely has this culture. It's so much easier to get 20 years down the line of 
you know, having worked there and never had a resume. Or if you did, it was just like, you know, it was a who cares resume. Yeah. It's just say, okay, I put a thing on a piece of paper so that then you could say you had my resume. Yeah. But it wasn't like actually a resume where you were having to compete with anybody. That's it. Yeah. That is, that is it. And usually that, that referral by someone who knows you or they know your work, you know, that, that gets that door open. Absolutely. yeah. And so now here we are uh, on the streets, you know, trying to, <laughs> <laughs> trying to. It's a nice street you're living on, Robert. I'm not going to lie. Oh, like... <laughs> so Michelle, now that we both know that our resumes really suck, let's go through the, um, <laughs> let's go Thanks. through your top three, <laughs> your top three resume. I mean, your top three interview tips, because you've got some great interview tips as well that you share with your clients. I do. Um, so I think you actually came to my interview mm-hmm. um, section. And I think um, one of the ones that I always say that I believe is one of the ones that Robin was like, and now I know I've been doing that wrong, um, is talk for 20 seconds and then shut up. Nobody's listening after 20 seconds. I always say that. <laughs> I always say that. So, so, so somebody asked me a question and then I need to condense my answer to a 20 second sound bite. Mm-hmm. And then you say, and can I tell you more about that? Or oh. I'd love to tell you more detail about the blah, blah, blah. Part. Okay. Yeah. And most of the time they're going to say, no, we're good. But sometimes they're going to say, because you say a lot more than you think you do. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but a lot of the times they're going to say, no, thanks. I got everything I needed. And you just don't be offended about that. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Answered that one, knocked that out of the park. Good mm-hmm. job, me, 20 seconds. And then other times they're going to say, actually, I'd like to know more about this, that, and the other. And then the biggest thing that people do when they talk for more than 20 seconds in an interview is they realize that they don't really know what the person is trying to measure them on. They don't mm-hmm. know what information is important. So they just keep talking, hoping that if they talk long enough, they'll tick whatever the mystery box is. Well, that's a terrible plan. Yeah. Everybody loses in that plan. Mm-hmm. As an interviewer, I don't want to listen to you ramble about some shit I don't care about for 20 yeah. minutes. Right, 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 and right. And as a candidate, you just get worked up and freaked out in your head, right? Thinking, oh my God, now I've been talking for a year. I hope I've said something. So just stop the madness. Yeah. Give yourself 20 seconds, answer the question, and then turn around and say to them, what more can I tell you about that? How can I round that out for you? Mm -hmm. And now you're also, you're having a dialogue. Yeah. You don't feel like you're being interrogated anymore. Now you're having an actual conversation and that always goes better. Yeah. As an interviewer, and you guys must've interviewed people over time working for you on your sales teams, you know, when you come out of there and you feel like you just had to interrogate that poor human being for 30 minutes. You feel sorry for them, but you also don't hire them. When you come out of that room and you feel like, wow, that was a great conversation. That's the one that you hire. And the difference between an interrogation and a conversation is that in an interrogation, only one person asks the questions. And in a conversation, both people do. Mm -hmm. So by having that throughout, you make that conversational tone. Perfect. 
That's that's yeah, that's good stuff. Number two. (laughs) I wow, you know. (laughs) We've been doing it all wrong. We've been doing it all wrong. (laughs) What's the next one? Number two uh, is whatever happens, own it. You walk into the interview and you say something just nuts. Just, I mean, you one of those moments where they ask you a question and you think, oh my God, what is my name? And you can't remember <laughs> anything, but somehow your mouth starts moving. <laughs> Words come out. Stop yourself and say, you know what? I am so sorry. I'm really nervous to be here today. This is such a great opportunity. Can I just get a do-over on that and try again? Mm-hmm. And usually they'll laugh and then everybody's fine. Yeah. But you got to own it. Mm-hmm. What people do instead is they freak the hell out. Yeah. They think, oh, now I've blown it. Question two, and I couldn't remember my name, and now it's downhill from here. And they get freaked out, and it makes everything worse. Because now, as a, as a hiring manager, I don't know if that's just you, if it's you were trying to lie and you're not very good at it. Like, I, I don't know. Right. If instead you just stop and go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm really nervous. Let me try it again. Now what you have done is a that's a very likable thing to do. Yeah. It's very showing likeable. some vulnerability. That's right. Human. Honesty and vulnerability yeah. is very humanizing. Mm-hmm. But the other thing it does is it shows me as a potential manager for you that when you screw up, and you will, because we're people, right, right, that you own it that you're not going to try to snow me, right? You're not going to just try to cover it up and hope nobody saw that. No, you're just going to put your hands up and say, screw it up today. And then you're going to work to fix it, mm-hmm. which is, again, you ladies have led teams, you know, that is huge on a team. Oh yeah. The most dangerous person on your team is the one who will try to cover up their mistakes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That would be my second big one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my third one is the one that uh, uh, Robin will tell you in my presentation. I say it, I think, four times, which is answer the damn question. <laughs> answer the question. <laughs> Please. How was it? The <laughs> For the love of God, answer the question. <laughs> About 70% of applicants, of interviewees, do not answer the question. There is nothing more frustrating than people who do not answer the question. And why are they not answering answering the question? Is it because they're just talking and it's not coming and out? Or it's because they are so nervous. Yeah. And they had planned their little responses. Oh. Like five questions that they Googled that you were probably gonna <laughs> And they're all ready. They answered those five questions. So you, they hear something come out of your mouth that sounds something similar to one of the things they're prepared for. And so they start answering that question, mm-hmm. whether or not that's what you asked. Ah. So they're listening to respond. Mm-hmm. Right. To listen. Got it. It goes all hand in hand with people go into an interview having already decided what information they think I need to have about Mm -hmm. them. So they, they plan 
well, they just need to know this, this, and this, and then it'll be obvious how amazing I am. Wrong. Don't decide what I need to know. Let me tell you what I need to know and then talk about that. So be prepared to talk about a bunch of different things, have a bunch of different examples prepared. Like there's still a lot of preparation to do before an Mm -hmm. interview. Mm -hmm. Don't go in assuming that you know what they're going to ask. Right. Because as soon as you do that, that's when you, you fall off the, the, the rails and, and stop answering the question. Mm-hmm. Because you start listening for a signal. So like one of my favorites is I'll say, in, if I have to do traditional interviews, I'll often, one of the things I usually ask is, tell me about a time when you failed. And they'll be like, well, there was this one time that I, this happened and that happened. Um, and boy, we almost failed. And then at the last minute, we were able to pull it out. And I'm like, that is not what I asked you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, tell me about a time when you failed. I mean, mm-hmm. fell on your face, just straight up failed. And I have literally had people did me five different stories of a time that they almost failed. Mm. I have then had people tell me, I can't think of a time that I failed. Oh, and I'm like, okay. oh. Okay. We don't want you. <laughs> right? There's oh. the door. Because if so you, you don't need a job. That's right. <laughs> if you can't think of a time that you have failed in your life, then either you are so not self-aware that you didn't notice failure and you just kept going, or you're so busy trying to save face that you just won't be honest with me. And neither of those people are people I want to hire. Yeah. Yeah. But they literally I have had feedback because I've like I've had that interview with somebody who was like a friend of a colleague or something and they've come back and been like they said you were so mean I'm like I am not mean I just asked the question it is not my fault that they didn't want to answer the question and they were like but they told you about a time they almost failed which and if I had said tell me about a time you almost failed that would have been a great answer but I didn't right (laughs) and that is another one of those like there's so much terrible google advice out there mm-hmm. about interviews and this is one of those there's a thousand google articles that will tell you if you get asked tell me about a time when you failed to tell them about a time you almost failed and how you pulled it out <laughs> so answer the question tell me about a time you failed and then tell me what you learned mm. tell me the lesson that you learned from that and how i know it's not going to happen again Yeah. So as a recruiter, what is your philosophy on feedback? So if I were to have a conversation with you, you know, the initial screening or whatever it is, and I don't make it to the next step, Mm -hmm. I mean, can I reach out to you and say, Hey, you know, where did I fall short or whatever? Are you going to answer me back or am I going to get ghosted? You're never going to get ghosted. Not from me. Not from you. Okay. I don't ghost. I think okay. that's being a coward and an asshole. I try not yeah. to be. A- yeah. Um, but if I'm rejecting you, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I'm gonna be so it does happen. Okay. Does. So <laughs> now for 90% of the people, yeah. you're going to get a thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. Throw away email mm-hmm. from me. If you said, 
this is crazy. I feel like I'm a great match. And you send me back an email or pick up the phone and you're like, I really don't get it because this looks like a one-to-one for me. Mm-hmm. Me personally, as a recruiter, if I'm the one that rejected you, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. That's Most comforting. recruiters won't. Right. They won't. And the reason is because a lot of companies have a policy against it. Oh, okay. Ah, okay. Kinds of reasons. A, libel, right? Mm. There's a liability issue. The recruiter says something asinine to somebody. And then, you know, the recruiter says, oh, this hiring manager doesn't want to hire anybody over 40. And I looked at your dates and you know what I mean? Like, right. okay. Boom. that makes sense. Okay. I so, see. Even in Texas, you can't tell them you didn't hire them for those reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just yeah. have to do it and not tell them. Um, so from a liability perspective, that's an issue. But the other thing is, and this is something people need to be kind of aware of, is that the other thing is that most candidates are not looking to have a dialogue. They're looking to have an argument. Oh. you're being rejected a thousand times a day it feels mm-hmm. like you're getting mm-hmm. punched in the gut mm-hmm. and so you finally get through to somebody who just recently punched you in the gut mm-hmm. you're not looking to have a hey honestly i just don't understand talk me through it you're mad okay and so you're they're like, avoiding right. confrontation i get it makes sense because candidates will argue with you mm-hmm. And okay. me, I don't care. Bring it, right? Like, you want to call and argue Because with me? you want all the smoke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care, Robin. I'm non-conflict avoidant. Yeah. So you want to yeah. argue, you've had a bad day. I feel that. Yeah. Call me, you know, you want to argue about my choice. I'm just going to tell you, arguing with me, my, my answer to those people is, I understand that you're disappointed in my decision. I understand that you don't d- agree with it. What you're doing right now is not helping me change my mind. Oh, burn <laughs> that part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those are great tips. So Michelle, yeah, you have an awesome podcast titled, Hey, I want your job. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. Oh, so, um, one of the things that I think is really important, um, to be able to charge people to write their resumes and to help them with interviews is for me to stay in touch with the market. And so to do that, I have to talk to hiring managers and recruiters and those kind of people and, and get somebody other than my own opinion, since we've Mm -hmm. already covered the fact that I'm pretty radical in my opinions. And so I would normally just have those conversations anyway. Mm -hmm. And then my business partners were like, well, let's record them. Yes. And we can let other people hear, you know, from the horse's mouth, as it were, what they think. Um, and so that's, that's what we do. And it's great. Like I, I have so much fun and I get to talk to people from like all different, everything. Um, you have very interesting guests. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a nice way to say that. (laughs) No, no, they are interesting. I know it's, for real. Yeah. They are from a whole like slew of backgrounds mm-hmm. for, sure, for sure. So I actually just did one recently. It was probably my hardest one because he is a, a firearms instructor and a second amendment advocate. And I don't know if you guessed this about my politics, but that's not how they flow. 
Yes. <laughs> and he thought, oh, girl from Texas, this will be. This will be, be a, a walk in, a cakewalk. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, honey, I'm from Austin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is awesome. That's cool. Yes. He was so kind and actually yeah. we had a great conversation and everything. You know, it was fine, but it was. It was hard because if you've watched some of my episodes, Robin, mm-hmm. you know, I don't let them get away with it. I'm Mm-mm. like, no, I turn around and like my very first guest, uh, I was like, so you work in IT, you're a hiring manager and you like most hiring managers in IT are a white dude. What are you doing about that? Good question. Uh, and his answer was, well, uh, sputter. <laughs> we, we, don't duh, get duh, great, duh. we don't get really great talent at this level because like the people two levels below don't hire Ooh. people it's like great so passing the book that's your answer oh boy <laughs> and yet they keep coming nikki i love no i absolutely, <laughs> lined I absolutely up. love it Look, they are lined up they're lined up and waiting oh my <laughs> goodness i know they come and they they take my abuse and they're fine with it i, I love do it. See it all with a smile so, yeah <laughs> They're telling friends, you got to be next. Get in line. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so Michelle, as we, as we um, wrap up, tell us something that you want us to know that we haven't asked. Um, I want you to know that your next job is going to come from LinkedIn. And that if you are not on LinkedIn almost all day, every day right now, you're doing it wrong. Okay. I'm on there. I'm on there. Yeah. A little too much. So to be, um, when LinkedIn, when you apply for a job through LinkedIn, or if I find you, if I search for skills on LinkedIn, the algorithm, like I said, ranks you based on all sorts of things. It thinks it knows, but one of those is whether or not it classifies you as an active LinkedIn user. Mm -hmm. And Ah. so if you have less than five pieces of social activity on LinkedIn, every day and that's for five days out of every seven then it does not think that you're an active user oh that's good and if to you know have less than 500 connections it does not think you're an active user oh i don't have you 500 ranked, connections then you will get ranked below everybody who does that's awesome that's that's yeah that's i mean <laughs> <laughs> i have connections being right there oh, but boy. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't. That's very interesting. We'll get you. We, it's, yeah, it's getting ready to happen. I, <laughs> I mean, that's interesting because, I mean, we're in such a, like, just bleh, situation right now. And there's, it feels like a zillion people out there looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. And even when I look at jobs on LinkedIn and I see, 25 applicants, 35 applicants. I'm thinking already, you know what? These people don't sleep. They're just. Here's what I'm going to remind you. LinkedIn is a global platform. Mm. When I post jobs, probably the first 30 to 40 applicants I get are not authorized to work in the U.S., Okay. Boom. Okay. Yeah. 
that okay that that puts okay. some light on on those numbers all right yeah okay i can that's yeah. good stuff michelle where can we find you um i am online i am always on linkedin so you can definitely find me there for sure for sure um, and you can find me at my website, which is www.oandhconsulting.com. Excellent. That's awesome. You got some, I mean, great advice. And I mean, I could just sit up here all day and let you continue to blow my mind. Mm-hmm. I may have to go have a drink and be like, yeah, nine, you know, we'll six months. A great one for everyone, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rule. So it's today just- is Friday. May 7th, and it's the first day of our job search. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, just mind, just mind blown. I mean, that most is people- what is so frustrating to me is that by the time people come to me, it's been six months, it's been a year. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, one of them, one of my, my clients who is also a really good friend of mine, she was out of work for a year. Her family almost lost their home. Oh my she God. Was a breadwinner. And she was like, I thought I knew everything. Yeah. And I, and I was finally, she listened to me. I rewrote her resume. I did some stuff. And within literally three weeks, she had a job making 20 K more than she had made before. And she will tell anybody that holds still long enough, that story. And then like it, and she's a smart cookie, right? Like she's a smart white woman. So she's got a lot of privilege walking in the door. And even she was struggling. Like, for, like I said, they almost lost their home mm-hmm. because wow. of it. And so it just, it kills me every time, every time. And the problem is as much as I yell and scream about it, there's some asshole on Google putting out bad information that makes yeah. it hard for people to get through to the people that talk sense. Yeah. 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 And, and there's so many people out there hungry, looking for that information that, that that's, that's what happens. Yeah. Total trickle down situation there. Yeah. Michelle, thank you so much. You are amazing. And, um, we will update you on our progress. (laughs) I'm excited. date. Oh my gosh. Yes. You have yourself a wonderful day, a fantastic weekend. Thank you, ma'am. You too. All right. Thank you. You You take care. Bye. Bye. We thank you for listening to Don't Look Under the Bed. You can continue to support the show by subscribing and sharing. Hospitality. That's our business.